Hi, this is Shara Chan, CEO of Orange Door Inc. You're listening to Thrivecast with Jason and Greg. Welcome to the April 2012 edition of the Thrivecast, people. I'm Jason. And I am Greg, and this is going to be a big one big for you today. How how we doing out there in South Carolina, Jason? Dude, I'm rocking it. Uh, tax season, as we record this, uh, yes. it is. It's like four days away or something. Yeah, which is which is weird. I thought about that, uh, and and we're we're it's everyone who listens to this is going to be on the other side by the time That's they right. hear the pod. So we're actually uh, talking to you from beyond the grave or from yeah right from the grave. Yeah, yeah. To 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 help you realize that to help help you remember how good it is to be past tax season, right? Because it right now it feels you know there's just that. It feels terrible. It do, it does, and and uh, both Jason and I have lots of uh, stuff to do. So that's it for your April two thousand. All right. See ya uh, t- <laughs> next month when we actually have one. no uh, no we're we're uh, we're gonna we're gonna hit it hard. We're yeah. here to serve you, faithful listener to the Thrivecast. That's right, and we've got uh, Michelle Golden is going to be speaking to us today, and. Good friend of Verisage, where you are a fellow, Greg, and so she's a good friend of Thrival, and um, she, it is going to be. She is a wickedly smart woman, so yes, yes, um, she does a lot of teaching. Talk about a book, and uh, she can talk about like a million things. She can, and we're gonna we're going to exploit her to uh, <laughs> to uh, crowbar out all of the knowledge that's inside of her big brain uh, for us today. Uh, yeah, there's going to be some pricing stuff in there, some social media stuff in there that we're gonna we're gonna hit her up. Uh, we do need to you know, give a big shout out to the uh, to the co-creator of the uh, Thrivecast, the Cloud Solutions Alliance. Give them a little woo woo. There it is. Uh, CSA, cl- CSA, 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 uh, which is you know that's XCM, Smart Vault, Fresh Books, H and R Block, Fujitsu, Scan Snaps, Community, H and Avalara. Oh, is H and R Block? Yeah, because they're, they're completely cloud based now. They're cloud based, so they're a new supporter that's, of the podcast. Yeah. Speaking of which, actually, interesting thing, H&R Block, uh, if we get around to this with Michelle, H&R Block, they've got an amazing uh, amazing social media presence. Every time I use H&R Block as a butt of one of the jokes of my, in a tweet, I get a response from H&R Block going, why do you hate us so bad? Are you serious? Like, Are you serious? I'm sorry, you're H and R Block. We're you're supposed kinda, to hate you, man. Yeah, you're the, you're the whipping boy of all CPAs. <laughs> yeah, so mean, uh, I, it's uh, you're just an easy target. That's well, it's, it. it's the position you hold in our world. We, you're there for us to beat upon you. Exactly. We compare exactly. ourselves to you and make ourselves feel better. Hey, let's jump into some articles, man. You've you've picked, yes. you've picked one out uh, today, which is called "Putting the Service Profit Chain to Work" from Harvard Business Review, one of our yes. favorite publications. Yes. Uh, do you want to jump on that now, or you wanted to jump on something else? I wanted to jump on something else first. I think uh, one of the things uh, you you put out a really interesting blog post this month, and 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 uh, and I wanted to to talk about that real quick. Actually, first off, even before we get into this blog post, Jason, you're starting to get known. You're you're uh, you're you've got a, a a catchphrase now in the in in the world of accounting, uh, for, and that's blow stuff up. BSU um, baby. 
BSU blow stuff up. First, can you tell me what that means? Because you're not actually like an arsonist, as far as as I know. I do like I do like playing with matches. Well, who doesn't? My 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 best Fourth of July was when my dad gave me a a a bottle of lighter fluid and a box of stick matches. (laughs) That was my Fourth of July. It was awesome. Here, go play, son. Yeah, exactly. It's a lot of fun. No, BSU. Okay, so. as okay, my my own firm, Blummer and Associates, is actually becoming more more experimental as we run it. So okay. where I'm always trying new stuff now. Now uh-huh. uh, that's got other implications, obviously, about serving clients and keeping the right people in your firm that uh, don't like to live that way. But uh, nonetheless, we're living our firm that way, trying new things, and I keep figuring out every time I'm doing something new, I mess up something. But okay. you know what? When I'm done, I go, good grief, how much did I learn through that process? What not to do, what I should do. And sometimes we tick people off in the process, that is clients and Uh team members probably. Uh Uh (laughs) But when we're done, I think we're a better firm. Um, So I'm out there going, you know, okay, so you – I've. I am against being conservative as firms. I think firms are conservative is a good thing, and I think now it's starting to hurt our profession. And so I'm actually going, hey, why don't you try stuff, blow stuff up, and Mm -hmm. see what you learn, and actually it'll strip away a lot of the exterior poop around your firm and make you better. It really does. Uh It, It makes you not rely on the things that actually aren't keeping you safe in the first place. Wait, wait, say that. Say that. It, it makes you well, not rely on the stuff that doesn't make you a, a not good for what? It's a, it's a triple negative. No, okay, when you're out there blowing stuff up, it uh-huh. strips away all of the things that you're relying in to keep you safe. Okay. You know, your conservative nature is what right. firms rely on to say, this is going to, if we keep doing what we've always done and don't blow stuff up, we're going right. to always be around because we've always been around. And, you know, that stuff's a lie. It's a false sense of security. Like, right. just like, you know, liability insurance, you feel all safe and stuff. You know, you're yeah. not. Right. Anybody can well, sue you for whatever they want. So, I don't know. Uh, well, okay, so that's cool. So, so basically, the blow stuff up I do. So, tell me if this is wrong. So, so in my mind, I'm getting kind of the picture of the, of the, uh, uh, of a guy who's who he's he's the chemist that goes into his lab and he mixes stuff together and and he and, and boom you know, he comes out with his hair all messed up right. and his face black exactly. from the explosion because yeah. you're you're experimenting right. so it's kind of a it's kind of a, a mantra of, of let's be let's be risk takers let's uh, let's change up what we're doing let's experiment all the time and and see what happens and along the ways there will be disasters but let's imp- you know yep. let's embrace the suck and learn right. what we can from well, that and, and move on yeah and let me let me sum it up i okay. want firms to be i want firm owners to not be professional firm owners anymore i want them to be entrepreneurial business owners and i want to start running cpa companies not cpa right. firms and see, that's where I wanted to go because that's the that's the blog post that you wrote back on March twenty fifth, CPA company versus CPA firm, and and you think that 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 writing that article may have uh, may it may have gotten you in trouble with the CPA practice advisor. You're not sure if it did or if it didn't, but regardless, there's a lot of stuff in here that's kind of 
Uh, I mean, it's 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 blowing stuff up. You threw out a lot of your ideas, what you were thinking. First off, what so so with the CPA company versus a CPA firm? To, what I mean, I read the article, but I'm not. Uh, you know, I'm only on like a seventh grade reading level. <laughs> so what? What a t- tell me about that. What is the what's the difference? Well, okay. So the difference to me is, um, you know, I start the article out really with. Uh, the way I see it, everything in our profession is open for disruption, and so I'm th- okay. I'm thinking everything because I think our firms need to you know have the foundations rattled a little bit so that we can kind of venture out as entrepreneurs and start trying new things and 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 as a result finding new values for our customers and things like that. So really, all I'm doing in the main article is saying let's go ahead and question our legal structures. Right, as which, which, and and basically, what's your the, the whole idea that you have to be what two two three? I mean, I guess it varies state by state, but it most does. CPA firms have to be owned at least like a majority right. by former CPAs. Which I was thinking about that this morning. It's kind of like saying if you're going to open a bar, you have to be a recovering alcoholic. Exactly. Or, right, <laughs> and you know, but what that's saying is, and nobody's ever questioned this stuff, it, uh, as far as I know. But what that's saying is. Hey, we're the government. We know best, and we're here to protect people. We love we love the citizens of our great state, and so we're going to go ahead and implement some legal structures that say, you know, other losers who aren't CPAs, we don't kind of want them in the financial world owning CPA firms. Right. And and I'm starting to question all this stuff and go, is this actually protecting people, or or right. is it actually the way I serve my customers? Do that are they the ones that hold me to the fire and make me produce properly for them, which has a lot to do with what your article is. So it's really just a the, the main article is a question of the legal structure that is making me organize my firm within certain legal statutes of the state, which okay. are meant, I think, to protect customers. And I'm going, I, I don't know. I've got right. some pretty cool team members and they're not CPAs and yeah. Frankly, I kind of would like for them to be owners because I think they're awesome. Right. And is that bad? Right. No, I, I, I hear you. And I think, you know, I do think that, that it probably shows a little bit of the hubris of the, the CPA profession where we're like, uh, you know, nobody could really run a CPA firm except CPAs. And right. I, think, I think that's 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 got to be wrong. I think that there's some great business people who aren't CPAs who could come in and probably s- give us a spanking in terms of how we do stuff because they could bring in the innovation, the new viewpoint and all that stuff you're talking about. Well, and so, they're, they're called entrepreneurs. Yeah. And so I, I, I think, you know, in, in Thrival, I, I say it a lot, but I, I think firms should become entrepreneurs, not mm-hmm. firm owners. Right. Well, you know, which, which, mean, which means mix in a little risk into your business model. Right. Yeah. Well, and it seems like one of the things that's, that that you're passionate about, anyways, that, that you know, that Thrival is really all about is doing that. Is going, hey, wait, stop, CPAs, get your head out of your tax update, and uh, and and figure out you're in a business, run a business right. the right way, right. and do that, do that, make that paramount. Be be cutting edge with that. Don't don't uh, don't. You know, I've been That's using. Right. Don't don't keep your head in your tax hole. Is <laughs> what it is. Very nice. Yes, that, that's true. But it, it it did elicit a couple of you know people that were interested in um, you know, I don't know. Uh, even you know people know Joel Unger, who is uh-huh. you know he's a CPA and 
you know, it kind of aroused some things in him. He's like, very interesting uh, in the comment. He says, hope to have an offline discussion with you one day. Uh-huh. And um, he he's just, he you know, when he wrote that, he's in the middle of tax season. He's like, I'm just I'm fed up with this. And, uh-huh. you know, I think our message to the world is, hey, firms, there's a different way you can do stuff. You don't right. have to do it the way your daddy taught you or that right. or that manager that, that compliments you when you shine your shoes. Uh-huh. Uh, you, you don't actually have to run the firm the way he taught you. And I know that's blasphemy, but um, try something new. Cancel your liability insurance. Yeah, yeah, that's that's some great that's some great advice. Well, probably not. <laughs> my, <laughs> I, I did put a note in there. My wife won't let me cancel my. I, I, I would though. Insurance is a freaking sham to me, so yeah. I, I hate it. Uh, but anyway. Yeah, cool. Hey, and it was fun. I did see that that uh, that comment by Joel, and it kind of looked like uh, let's have a discussion offline. Sounds like he wants to like beat you up, like he's he's going to give you a, a good talking to, but I don't want to do it in front of your friends. Yeah, you know, that, well, that kinda... wasn't that nice of him? Right, exactly. Okay, we got to get on to the service Definitely. profit chain. This is big time. Tell me about stuff. it. And uh, and here's here's what it is. And actually, man, this 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 article is is fantastic. Uh, I first saw it when I was in my MBA program. They had us read it, and I totally latched onto it. And 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 just the it's it's really easy to sum up. Is basically they say this. They say that uh, growth and profitability profitability and growth are stimulated by primarily by customer loyalty. Customers become loyal when customers are highly satisfied. Uh, customers are highly satisfied due to uh, the 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 productivity of employees. Employees are productive if they're loyal. Employees are loyal if they're satisfied. How do you make satisfied employees? You take really really good care of them within your company. Cool. And so you it's, just describe the service profit chain. That's the service profit chain, and uh, is and and that's I mean there's a lot of it. If this was not a completely audio medium, we would at this point flash up a graphic right. that show that shows that that profit chain. And we're gonna work. So so it starts. So basically, the, the profit chain that was just a backwards going through it. It starts with inside your company, making sure that you are really investing and really taking awesome care of your employees. Because when you take awesome care of them, they become awesome, loyal employees. Awesome, loyal employees to, in a service industry are they're the they're the drivers of value that customers are going to appreciate, and customers are going to become loyal, and then loyal customers are what make you rich. Right, and that's that's the starters. I don't know for some reason, I customer loyalty being the main driver of profitability and growth, for some reason, that doesn't quite seem right. I didn't see a whole lot of data in, well, I guess I did see a little bit of data. There's some data. What do you think, Jason Blummer, about customer loyalty being kind of the main thing that we are after in our CPA firms? Um, I think think it's a big deal. Um, I think firms don't do that. Um, you know, customer loyalty is not a big deal uh, with them. Now, it, it did start reaching into some some things that I started to question. Like there was a there was one section where um, 
uh, leading service companies, because it did talk a lot about service industries, which, you know, CPA firms are. So it said leading service companies are currently trying to quantify customer satisfaction. Now, uh-huh. I, I don't know. Okay, so I don't like it when people hmm. start quantifying some of this, you know, how much oh. do you love your people kind of stuff. Right. Well, you know, and that's, and it's fine. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw this in here. There was a quote in here from uh, what's his buns, uh, <laughs> Herbert Kelleher. The, the CEO of Southwest Airlines, he said, anyone who looks at things solely in terms of factors that can easily be quantified is missing the heart of business, which is people. That's, you know, that that's a, that's something I um, I mentioned, too. Now, also... Oh, this, oh, so he stole that from you. I get it. Go on. <laughs> no, that's one of the quotes I like. But, you know, this, this thing actually has a lot of good quotes from a lot no, of No, no, wait. Hold on. You want to have a fight with uh, with Herbert Kelleher? Because he, he stole your idea. He okay. Let's he not blow, let's not let's not gloss that over, Jason. Blumberg. He don't want to go around with me, man. Okay. Okay. So this is a this is an invitation Herbert. to Herbert Kelleher. Come on the podcast. We dare you. Is <laughs> is his name? Do you say Herbert Keller or Kelleher? I you say it Kelleher. I don't know if you're right. I'm probably wrong. <laughs> you probably just sounded like a dope on the podcast. You know, won't be the first time, right? We sound stupid. No, I sound stupid a lot. Okay, well, anyway, there were some awesome quotes by people from Xerox and um, Intuit. Okay, so the here's what uh, Scott Cook, when we're talking, jump back to customer loyalty. Scott yeah. Cook, uh, CEO of Intuit, or former CEO of Intuit. Intuit, um, put your back into it, gotcha. Put your back into it. He said... Uh, they want to extend their efforts to create apostles. Yes. Now, I thought that was cool. I've, I've always heard um, evangelists as, uh-huh. as customers in your company who actually go tell p- other people about it. But he right. said apostles describing uh-huh. customers so satisfied that they convert the uninitiated to a product or service. So, now, that's better. So, an evangelist to me has always been somebody who just goes and preaches, hey, this CPA firm's good. An apostle actually converts the uninitiated, those who were originally not interested in changing firms, let's say, um, to move over to your firm. So now that is amazing. If you can go make apostles yeah. in your firm, you can make customers not only tell people about you like an evangelist would, but actually go <laughs> try to convert the uninitiated. That is right. those who don't really see the need for a new CPA firm and uh, I thought that was a really cool term. So apostles, yeah. that's our new term. Yeah, I did too. You know, and it's, and it's interesting because there's a lot of that stuff that's been coming up. What I recently uh, read Seth Godin's book, Purple Cow, and he talks about uh, he talks about sneezers in there because he, he talks about, you know, these, these great remarkable ideas get spread via word of mouth. And there are some people that's who gross. are a lot better at infecting other people with great ideas. And he calls them sneezers. That's a little bit disgusting. It, yeah. <laughs> that's nasty. A little, little bit disgusting where it's like, let me get let me get the germs. <laughs> let me get my 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 innovation boogers on you. Uh, but, <laughs> innovation but boogers. Love it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> And uh, and then what I also just recently read the uh, the tipping point by Malcolm Gladwell. Yep. Am I pronouncing that right? Huh? <laughs> huh? Pronunciation police? Yeah, think I am. Uh, and uh, actually, it's Malcolm uh, is Mal-colum. how you really pronounce that. That's and pretty he, good. 
he talks about what well, he talks about uh, mavens and connectors yep. and salespeople as being three di- three different types of people that I guess if you can get all three in one, maybe that's how you get an apostle. Um, in True. in terms of what these guys are talking about now, so let me can I mention something? Yeah, that really uh, aligns with what we're doing. Again, we just talked about us blowing stuff up. the The one thing we're we're in the middle of doing now is implementing a row uh-huh. in our firm, which is a results only work environment. And this podcast may be released a couple of days before Jody Thompson, author of uh, the book Why Work Sucks and How to Fix It, creator of Row, is going to be in a two-hour online conference in Thrival. And nice. she's speaking at our October learning gathering. We don't call nice. it a conference because that's old-school crap. So we call it a learning gathering. I thought, I thought we were calling it continuing education. Uh, co- For the winners. <laughs> no, but listen. here. This row is what came up to me because what struck me, which I thought was yeah. cool, and I guess it's true, that... Ultimate profitability, if you're looking at this graph that me and you can see on our screen, profitability on the right starts on the far left with employee satisfaction. Yeah. And how do you get, and that's basically, uh, they mention uh, five things uh, to give employee satisfaction in the service profit chain. They say workplace design, job design, employee selection and development, employee rewards and recognition, and tools for serving customers. And I thought of a row. A row is where you say, Hey, employees, it is up to you how you achieve your results. Here's the results, yes. but everything else we don't care about. And it's like, that's a, that is just a, a, a radical way mm-hmm. to let people do what they do best and totally take care of the customer. Love it. You're, you're absolutely right. And I, I felt, even though, it, well, it's funny, if you look at the history of this article, it was originally published in 1994, yep. republished in 2008. It looks like it's something that, you know, it, do, it, it doesn't, there's nothing in it that seems dated at all. No, definitely uh, not. In, in, term, in terms of stuff. And, but I think it, one of the words that did seem like it was missing because it's, so, it's such the, the buzzword in today's uh, marketplace of ideas is, is innovation. But that's what he's saying is he's saying yep. because there's everything that we're talking about, workplaces and job design, employee selection, all that stuff. But it's also giving your employees the power to really take care of their customers. Yep. And, it, and when you get, when you're able to relinquish power from yourself, give that to your people and just say, make sure these people are happy mm-hmm. and make sure that they love us. Then, uh, that's what creates innovation because you get your employees and they the problem. How do I solve it? I've got. I don't have to, you know, go through committees and get all of this. Uh, uh, you know, have people bless my idea before I do. I just get to go and make sure these customers are happy and do it right now. And that's what does it. I, here's some. Here's some interesting things too about uh, about. Uh, customer satisfaction that I thought was interesting in here. Did you see this part where it said there was a huge difference between the loyalty of people who on on a on a survey said that they were satisfied? Ver- you know, there, there was like five, five you know, dissatisfied, satisfied, uh, or I don't know. Anyways, the, it seemed like a shade of difference between saying you're satisfied versus very satisfied. And they they found that they were people who were very satisfied, like six times more uh, likely 
to uh, to to be loyal to your company. So it's not just they were they you know these guys were good. It's like no, these guys were really good, and then all of a sudden it goes through the roof. Yeah, I did, I don't remember seeing that. Oh, it's I'm, in there. I'm not making it up. You, you call me up. a liar again, Jason. I'm <laughs> not lying this time. Yeah, okay? you're a great speller. I too. really. I, <laughs> and then the other thing. Okay, so go because I still I still don't. I mean, I, I the the loyalty driving profitability of growth. Here's some stats that they threw out about that as well. They said that with uh, that some consulting firm said that a five percent increase in customer loyalty can improve can produce. Profit increases from twenty five percent to eighty five percent. That's amazing. Which I think that's a promise, a guarantee right. that that from the Thrivecast. Yes, that if you can increase customer loyalty by five percent, you're going to make at least twenty five percent more money. <laughs> well, but you know what that really speaks to. And, but I think it, it makes sense. They're really talking about. You know, stop focusing only on sales conversions or getting new clients, but it's really yeah. take care of the people you have. And right. the, the it talks a lot about the downstream uh. of referrals and additional sales you'll get out of that client and customer yeah. are, are huge. And once you've converted a client, they're more profitable, obviously, uh, later on because you're not spending the time to train them and convert them. They're already in your firm. Like, for example, let me give an example. We bring clients in. They go on a monthly draft. We're drafting them every month. At the, at, at the end of December, I, I redo their contract. And it's understood they're going to continue with our firm. I don't have to do selling much to the current client. I just say, hey, here's the new price. Is there anything else you want to throw in? They're like, good to go. And we start drafting again in January. So it's uh-huh. a lot easier so that the down stream, you know, continued profitability of a current client is is a lot more important than you going out and getting all kind of new clients, uh, I think is part of what they're trying to say. So, but let me ask you one thing. Yeah. Herb Kelleher, which is probably not the right way to pronounce his name. Um, <laughs> he, he's an awesome CEO of Southwest Airlines. Uh, I don't right. think he's not the CEO anymore, is he? I think he's passed away. Oh, <laughs> whoops. God. No, I'm, to- I'm totally kidding. I oh, no oh, idea. I was going to say, God rest his soul. Yeah, way uh, to go. Way to be sensitive, Jason. Yeah, <laughs> you brought right. too too soon, man. Too, too soon, man. Soon. Too soon. <laughs> well, he, he really nailed something. And by the time, again, people hear this podcast, two people will have left our firm. So... He speaks to the. Now I'm getting there. I'm going to connect okay. it. Hang on. <laughs> and by the time you hear this podcast, Herb Kelleher will have died. I hope he's Way not to be actually dead. Man. I hope he's not actually dead. I Way to be really... sensitive, man. God. Send your hate mail to Jason. Go on. That's right. Anyway, so he really nails it. He says, "Now you have to hire the right people." Right. And we're kind of we're kind of cleaning house right now. Uh, we're getting the wrong people out. That is off the bus, as uh-huh. our as our friend Jim Collins says. Right. Jim Collins, if you're listening, I dare you to to <laughs> comment and say you're not our friend. Yeah, but we dare you to come on my podcast. That's right, chicken, but, <laughs> chicken. Now here, but Kelleher said he believes that hiring employees that have the right attitude is so important that the hiring process takes on a patina of spirituality. Yeah, and spirituality. Spirituality. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't know what he's talking about, but I think he, I think he's saying it's important, it's important to hire the right people. Is that what he's saying? Do you know what patina? I think of a patina is some kind of flatbread sandwich, <laughs> um, and I've eaten some good ones, but I don't oh, know if I'd ever say that any it? of them were spiritual. Uh, with those lines on it? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Grilled, when you, grilled when you grill, flatbread. Uh, when you grill yeah, a patina. Yes, yeah, Subway's got a new foot-long patina. Go give it a try. It's really <laughs> good with their spicy onion sauce. Patina. <laughs> so what is he talking about? Hire, the hiring process takes on a patina of spirituality. <laughs> Do I say it wrong? No, it's, you say it. You say it perfect for being from the south. I love it. Spirituality. Uh, no, I mean, come on. You know, you know, you're right, Jason. And I'll tell you that because you are right, and you keep telling people the right thing. Don't don't hire losers. That's hire right. hire. Let let H and R Block, a current sponsor, a current of, sponsors of the Thrivecast. Let them hire the losers that's because right. that's where people expect losers is an H and R Block. An H and R Block. I dare you. To, to get on the podcast. No, actually, we don't, do we want them? No. No, okay. Actually, I mean, we could nail the, I mean, we could really. If their CEO wants to come on the podcast, it, it could be their vice chairman. It's got to be the CEO. Um, right, we want CEO. But yeah, you got you to get the right people on there uh, because that's, I mean, that's that's part of it. You got, I th- and I think where he's going with that whole patina spirituality is a whole idea that. Um, spirituality. 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 Is that, uh, is that work. Work is if you're really gonna if you're gonna be a highly satisfied employee or employer or whatever a highly satisfied worker you've got to realize that work is more than just something that you have to clock into for eight to thirteen hours a day depending on what time of the year it is you've got to realize that there's something bigger about work that you connect with your work on a deeper level than hey I got to be here because otherwise my kids will not have clothes. Oh, but you know what? That sounds real good, but to the guy who's going, yeah, nice, Greg. You don't work for the firm I work for, buddy. Right. I, I'm going to clock in because uh, I love my firm. Hey, People you know, hate the crap they work for. Yeah, well, you know what? That's their own damn problem then. <laughs> grow, grow a pair and either change it Come or on. get out and make your own thing. Blow BSU, baby. Yeah, I mean everybody. How I mean, you know, and it's and it's so much easier to say than to do. It, is. it looks like I'm this big tough guy, but it's true, and I got to tell myself that the same thing. Either if work sucks, either change it or get out and make something that's better. Otherwise, you're wasting your damn life. <laughs> okay, and I got to say that and even, we love you. We love you. Thank you for listening, you loser. <laughs> you loser. <laughs> We, but, we we met H and R Block. That's who we we're calling the loser. But here's the other thing, and we got to get we well, and I, you know, Michelle Golden. I dare if you're listening, Michelle Golden. I dare, I you. dare you to come on this podcast and talk to you about your stuff and about. I mean, right about now. But um, <laughs> the uh, but but here's the thing. As a, a lot of people who we're talking to, a lot of our listeners to this to to our podcast, a lot of members of Thrival, they are people who they're not employees. They are they're the big they're the big cheese at the company that they work for. And I think even those people have to sit down and go, how do I make me a highly satisfied employee? Right. Because you got to you everybody's got it. Not not just and, and I don't I, I want people to take responsibility for their own 
satisfaction, high levels of satisfaction at work. If you're an employee, you don't have to wait for your employer to make you highly satisfied. You can figure out how to make yourself highly satisfied and you don't have to feel guilty about it because by making yourself highly satisfied at work, you're making the best service uh, industry uh, firm that you can by doing that. You're looking out for the best for your company by making sure you're highly satisfied. And I think even more so, if you're the owner of a firm, how are you keeping yourself highly satisfied? Because if you're coming in and you're grumbling, people can tell. People can smell on you if you're not that loving patina what you sandwich do, you ate. They at can lunch. smell your patina, and you need to clean that patina up because people will smell it and you'll sneeze it and get your patina boogers on everybody else and it's going to be a bad thing because okay. I just totally messed up that metaphor. So uh, okay, so, befo- so before we go to Michelle Golden, let's um, summarize it up. I was trying to be motivational. I think I, I think I tanked it out at the end there, Jason. <laughs> okay, so innovation boogers. <laughs> sneeze your innovation boogers on people. Yes. Uh, patina of spirituality. It's a delicious. It's a five dollar foot long for this right, month, right? And uh, help Kel- Herb Kelleher. We're sorry, to pronounce your name wrong. God rest your soul. <laughs> and H and R Block, bring it. We dare you to come on here. Exactly. Okay, we're Let's- out to our interview with Michelle Gold. Here we go. Come on, come on. All right, welcome to our awesome guest, Michelle Golden. What's up, Michelle? Hey. Hey! Thank you for joining us on the Thrivecast. We appreciate you uh, hanging out with us. Oh, it's my pleasure. I'm so excited. Haven't seen you guys in a while. No, you're um, most most people in Thrival are big fans of Michelle Golden. Yes. Yeah, you're you you got this big brain, and (laughs) we like to tap into it. So there's a lot of things we can talk about. um, a, A ton of stuff. Yeah, but first, actually, Jason, I'm gonna I, I'm gonna lead the charge here lead on it, this. Baby. Um, first off, Michelle, are you you are based out of St. Louis, Missouri? Is that right? I am. I are am. You, are you currently right there while we're talking to you? I am. I'm sitting in St. Louis, about 15 minutes south of Bush Stadium. Awesome. Cool. Very nice. Now, one of the things, and Jason and I talked about this before we even started recording today. We we want to know, like, where give us give us the backstory of Michelle Gordon. Where did you come from, and how did you get to uh, to where you're at now with with Golden Practices? Oh. Um, because my understanding was you were you were a backup singer for <laughs> uh, for it was either uh, Elton it was John. the. Yeah, or the 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 Titanic singing lady. Oh wow. Um, okay, so I didn't prep for this. Yeah, you'd think I'm from the south because it takes me ten minutes to say hello. But um, okay, so real quick, I used to be um, an accountant. I'm not a CPA. Never never played one on TV. But I used to be an accountant um, in a couple different public companies in the healthcare sector. I didn't know and, that. Cool. Yeah. So that's where I sort of came from. After that, I became um, the first marketing director for about an 80-person CPA firm in central Missouri. And um, then I went into the wonderful world of law, uh, where I was a marketing director, first marketing director for a 400-person law firm based out of St. Louis, but across three states. And I had enough of that. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Now, what what do you do as a marketing director in a CPA firm or in a law firm? I mean, and and I guess how long ago was this? I don't mean to. Can I ask Gosh. you that? 
Yeah, that's an age question. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. I know. And the big head thing, I think you were referring to my big hair. <laughs> you have um, lovely hair. <laughs> thanks. It's big, um, he said big brain. Yeah. Brain, brain. Yeah, there yeah. Um, so I think that um, as a marketing director, back in the day, I started a, around 94, um, you know, marketing was a lot less sophisticated than it is right now, and we didn't have the interwebs much yet. So um, it was mostly, you know, getting people corralled, getting them to start thinking about niches, getting them to start thinking. I mean, it, you know, you think people are still generalists now. Oh, my goodness. Everyone was a generalist back then wow. um, on the accounting side. Law, law was a little bit easier to have people specialize in whatever, but you know how... Um, critically important specializing is to effective marketing, not not just so much from being able to practice and stay up with, you know, what's going on, but to be able to position you, even if you are a generalist, you know, just picking a specialty area, it, it's a lot like um, getting fish into a barrel versus trying to shoot them in the ocean. I mean, right. you can do everything you want, but getting people into one small bucket makes it a lot easier to market to them. So that's kind of where we were at as marketers back back then. A lot of writing, a lot of print materials, um, and now it's just so much cooler being able to take take our marketing to the web. So you would actually write write articles on behalf of the firm to publish, and because the attorneys and CPAs can't write, is that true? Uh, um, attorneys are probably a lot better writers than CPAs, generally. Not, not. I mean, you know, there are some really great CPA writers, but lawyers write for a living. Um, it's getting them to break the habits that law school beat into them about mm -hmm. writing, like using a lot of Latin and yeah. 500-syllable words and stuff like that. Like getting them right. to write like humans. Yeah. Where, where to for if you cut this coupon out of <laughs> law, law Journal today, henceforth we shall give you a, <laughs> a discount exactly. of at least but not to exceed 5.12%. <laughs> yeah, and a funny one is the on or about um, uh, that's on a, on a filing date. Like they file a document and then they refer back to it as filed on or about this day. It's like you know the date it was filed. Right, you don't right. have to say or right. about right yeah they I, are good they are good writers so did you did you teach <laughs> did you teach cpas how to hand cards to people at the chamber <laughs> of commerce and say don't burp after you take a swallow of your wine or something true story i i, I have more or less <laughs> <laughs> I'm more or less taught CPAs um, how to hand business cards to um, Japanese um, individuals oh, because there right. is a Don't unique... throw it at them, right? Well, you know, you got to do that just right. You can really offend. Like if a Japanese person hands you the business card and you just shove it in your pocket, there's a terrible insult. You have to receive it with two hands and oh, carefully boy, contemplate it and appreciate it. And it's an art, right? But um, this, this is a true story. Um, a CPA went on a sales call and actually took out his wallet and started cleaning out his wallet by sorting his stuff into piles while on the sales call in the prospect's office. <laughs> wow. So, so, so they come in, he's like, oh, hang on, let me get all my receipts. He <laughs> stuffs them back in his wallet. I'll be in there a minute. <laughs> or is it like, you don't mind if I multitask, do you? I'm just kind of, I got awful? a bunch of crap. And I just saw that episode of Seinfeld and I realized this is a way too fat of a wallet. So <laughs> I'm going to kill two birds with one stone. You want to you want to bring your business to us? Awesome. <laughs> Maybe um, he's trying to prove how organized he is. I'm not sure. Yeah, how, how good of a money manager he is by how well <laughs> organized his wallet is. Um, so Michelle, tell me, 
me now, uh, so we kind of have an idea of where you, of sort of your career path. What, th- the next question is, because right now you, uh, you are Golden Practices. That's your, that's your company. And you, uh, what, what does Golden, tell us what Golden Practices does. Is it cool school for nerds? Uh, what, what's Golden Practices? Golden, well, Golden Practices grew out of what started as Golden Marketing. So when I started my um, consulting right after I left the law firm in 99, um, I had a marketing agency basically where we did like we acted as outsourced marketing departments of CPA firms and law firms. Okay. And we had several people and we did all the same kinds of stuff that marketers would do in-house. Um, so that's kind of how it started. And then about hmm, four years ago, three years ago, I soloed. I kind of uh, picked up, picked myself up. I realized, you know, you guys have all done this uh, when you made your big transitions too. I realized that it wasn't, I wasn't super happy in that role and that my favorite things to do were kind of high-level consulting, facilitation, and that sort of a thing. And so I picked myself up out of the agency. Um, this was not an easy thing and started Golden Practices where I'm mostly the higher-level advisor instead of the implementer myself. So I don't do writing for clients. I don't build websites anymore. Um, I don't write biographies and that kind of a thing. I help I help firms with their strategy, kind of help them figure out their why and what they okay. want to be when they grow up and then how that differs from where they are now because there's always this gap that you have to figure out what is the gap and what needs to happen to get you there. And then you have to look at reality because you know, you know what needs to happen to get you there, but you also know there's this reality, which is our time limitations, our money limitations. Um, you know, how, how much are we really married to the idea of moving there? Because there's a lot of psychological stuff that's right. in there. Cool. And, you know, okay, what's our plan to move forward? So you, you did it for a friend of mine, Bernie Leach, right? Oh, yeah. Well, that that was really a thanks. Yeah, Bernie's terrific. Yep. I did it. What I helped Bernie's firm with is actually I did I facilitated a retreat for them. And then in the retreat, um, this is Corbett, Duncan and Hubley in the retreat, they started talking about um, an interest in pricing. And I said, oh, this is great because this is right up my alley. That's right. Uh-huh. And um, I said, I can I can help you with that. And they they went for it and they're they're going to light their timesheets or rather a computer that they enter timesheets on on fire at the end of June, which is the end of their fiscal year, which is about one year from when we started talking about pricing. Yeah. So and, and they're a, and that's a big deal because they're a larger firm. Yeah, I think like 60 or 80 people, 60? Yeah. 60. Yeah. So that nice. and, and I think multiple offices which may add to the complexity I guess of making these big changes too. So yeah, you know, that's uh, that's true. I think they have a really powerful culture. Bill Hubley's a, a terrific leader, and it's largely cultural, but they, they really got on board, and they had a couple advantages. One is that most of their clients were already in fixed pricing anyway, cool. so moving to value pricing was mostly educational, but the first thing, and this is Bernie's brilliance, really, um, and Bernie and Bill work awesome together. Bernie's a COO. Mm-hmm. Bernie and Bill... Um, just after an initial conversation or two in May and June, last June, they immediately took chargeable hour goals out of their, uh, you know, their firm-wide goals. Wow. They, they immediately saw that that was going to be critically important to moving toward a value pricing environment. Because if you still have these chargeable hour goals and these other metrics you have to pursue, forget value pricing. You're still going to be thinking about hours. You know, yeah. your money is your strategic plan, if nothing else is. Uh-huh. That's that's cool. So 
Greg, did you have any more questions on Michelle's journey through now her <laughs> consulting and stuff? Well, I, I think maybe the the one thing. So, are when you approach uh, potential customers uh, as a consultant, is it still? It sounds like it's still, by and large, from a marketing perspective. Just uh, obviously, marketing. You can basically frame all of the entire business process from a marketing perspective. Is that is that accurate? You know, that is so insightful. Like, I, I've told this to a lot of people. If I walked up to a firm and I said, hey, I can help you fix your operations, um, they're going to slam the door in my face really fast. Nobody wants anybody to meddle with their operations or, or fix that. But right. if you you know if you say, I can help you with your growth or I can help you with your profitability, everybody's right. about that. The bottom line truth, though, is, in fact, that once we identify what the growth or profitability objectives are, we have to align things that are way out of the marketing realm. I have to get my fingers into areas of the firm that they're like, well, that's not marketing, but we have to talk about morale. We have uh -huh. to talk about trust. Right. We have to talk about communications, and, and that's just the reality. Um, you, can't, you can't change things as far as as marketing and growth and whatever, unless you fix some stuff inside the house, right. and that's the operation side. So you're exactly right. It, yeah, and that's funny because that ties into what we were, what Jason and I were discussing before we started the interview, where it's like you're you're having highly satisfied uh, employees is what is is how is basically the driver to get highly satisfied uh, customers. And oh, so, totally. yeah, if you, if you don't have, if your morale sucks, if you're, if you just continue to uh, down your people uh, in, in a service firm, it's, you know, it, the, the quality of your service is going to be really one of your major things for marketing. If you totally can get, is. yeah. yeah. What, if what you do just you think? Look at, look at restaurants or Disneyland or something like that for a perfect example of that. If you have, yeah. if you have a, a waiter or waitress who's just digging their job and, mm -hmm. and whatever, you have such an awesome experience. But if they're hating life, it, it's not that way. Or you go to Disneyland. Oh, well, I've seen some bummed out employees at Disneyland, so I shouldn't say that. <laughs> but, I, I know, never have. Right. So. No, right. good. Good. Right. I saw Snow White crying. <laughs> <laughs> Who made her cry? Her boss? Grumpy. <laughs> <laughs> ah, grumpy. Funny. It was grumpy. That was a good. <laughs> That's one. funny. So Michelle, let's get back to to reality here. Since Greg's cutting jokes again, um, so we see you've. I bet mean, you've kind of gone from this individual who does marketing to uh, social media. It's kind of part of that. Now, really, you're able to consult with firms on a, on a wide variety of things. Obviously, pricing is a big deal to you. Culture sounds like. Is something you always have to address when making any large changes within firms. So, what what's your hot button right now? That is, what's the next book you're going to write? Ooh, my next book is on pricing. It's, Come on, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's called um, Pricing to Win, cool. and the subtitle is Landing the White Right Work at the Right Price. Awesome. Nice. Now, cool. So. So how's that different than Ron Baker's stuff? Because, you know, he's old school. Heck with him. Right? <laughs> no. We need the new pricing person. Ron is the, Ron is the god. I'm um, kidding. <laughs> he's, he's so brilliant. Uh, Ron, uh, how is it different from Ron's stuff? It's different in, you know, much like I just talked about operations. Operations has always been where my heart goes pitter-pat. I was studying management and operations in, in school, not accounting, um, not marketing. But, uh, you know, so... Where, where 
you guys were talking about that I kind of come at operational stuff from the marketing side. I kind of also come at pricing from the marketing side. Um, As a marketer in both of the accounting and law sectors, um, one of your major tasks is helping firms deal with proposals and RFPs and beauty contests and all that kind of stuff. So I've I've typed hundreds of thousands of proposals. I've revamped the whole buying and proposal process or selling, I should say, and proposal process and firm. And one of the things that's definitely, you know, forgotten in most professional firms is that pricing is one of the four P's of marketing. Right. And and normally in most firms, you know, either we just say this is our hourly rate, mostly in the law firm. Um, on the accounting side, they do some fixed pricing, but who comes up with that price? The, usually the managers and partners, if they're proposing on an audit, they do a quote budget and that budget takes all the pieces of the, the project and anticipates how many hours it's going to take. And then they go and they look at priority or fees and discard the budget. <laughs> I don't even know why they come up with the budget. Who knows? I know, right? So then they go look at priority or fees and somebody goes, well, let's charge a thousand more or a thousand less. Um, and so there's no art to pricing um, in the way most firms do things. But what I've really learned over the years, I met Ron back in like, I want to say 2000 maybe. Mm-hmm at um, a results accountant systems boot camp, um, which was put on by Paul Dunn and Rick Payne. Uh-huh. Back in the day, they were amazing. They were these four-day retreats yeah. where, um, oh my God, did they enlighten CPAs? It was so cool. Um, I actually cried. I know, I know it's not a girl <laughs> thing. I actually sitting in that room watching <laughs> 150 CPAs get it about service and and all kind of the stuff you guys talk about with Thrival. Watching that many CPAs, partners of firms, and they had to have more than one partner at, at, to attend watch them all get it at once, it moved me. It was really intense. Um, But anyway, so back back to the thing. Um, It's different from Ron's stuff in that it's going to be, and Ron hates this, but it's going to be a lot more how-to. It's going to be specific for conducting the value conversation. It's going to have examples, dialogue examples. Um, I'm the kind of facilitator who hates to make people role play because I would rather do anything than role play myself. But it's going to have that in there for people who want to read like, well, what if they say this? And how do I come back to that? Um, So it's going to talk about the proposal process. It's going to teach how to offer options, how to construct them. Really, I've learned from working with, with Hubley and other firms before them, I've really learned that if CPAs and and other professionals um, take fixed pricing, their current fixed pricing knowledge and approach. If they just start playing with options, they start learning how to really have value conversations. And that's the thing. It's like you can't just walk out today and value price because most people don't know how to have a conversation with the prospect about to, to extract from them what is really valuable to them. It's a very uncomfortable thing to just walk up and suddenly do when you've never done it before. Yeah, it's yeah, implementing value pricing in a firm is it is hard. I it's mean, very hard. And it, it really it's uh, we're finding even in our firm and we've been doing it a little while but it's reaching into so many areas of how we have conversations, now what our team members feel about what we're doing and how they can now have these conversations. And it and you do. When you price, when you value price, we often price high and new customers require us to explain why are you double why every, what everybody else is. And right. you have to prove your value. And if you don't know how to, you know, 
uh, spell it out, it, it gets to be pretty hard. And those conversations sometimes are long. And I'm like, can you just start paying me some money so I can stop talking to you? <laughs> you know, I'm, I pull out the old accountant. Hey, let's don't talk anymore. That makes me uncomfortable. You need to start writing checks. <laughs> right. Well, one of the things that I think we learn a lot from the tech sector, and I've certainly done this in my marketing practice, um, is that you need to charge something for the diagnostic. Yeah. So, and, and you saw that. Remember, like, do you guys watch Mad Men? No, I've never seen it. I've heard it's no? good, though. No. Uh, what, Jason? You uh, don't watch Mad Men? Yeah, yeah. You are yeah. so culturally you illiterate. You don't either, I Greg. Look. I can oh, tell. What? No, I'm totally all about John Beef. <laughs> <laughs> So, so back in the day, and it's it still happens sometimes, but it's less and less. Like the ad agencies um, in their pitch had to create whole campaigns. Wow! Like had to do all the idea generation unpaid. Right. Um, and so that's really lousy. So you know, really, I think the most exciting part, and I I thrive on this. Not to use your word, but it must be front of mind for some reason. Yeah, she's I trying thought, to pick a fight with you, Jason. I know. <laughs> no one Brandy, can say the Brandy. word thrive without getting Jason's permission <laughs> Why don't you know that? Uh, so I, I really, I thrive on the, the conversation where you help somebody realize, this is this is kind of what makes my heart go pitter-pat, where you help somebody realize that what they thought they wanted is actually a little bit different from what they really need. And when you watch that light bulb go on, like they think they want to buy, you know, X, but you start talking to them and then they realize, oh, I'm not quite at that X point. Or that X thing was totally the opposite of what I needed. I need Y, and 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 I'm good with it. And getting them there is kind of fun um, for me, anyway. But give, it, give us an example of, of what you're talking about right there. Can you can you give us kind of a, a, a hard example of what when you've seen something like that? Um, okay, I can refer to my own um, consulting practice uh, for, with a ready example of that. So you know, it's yeah. Kind so of let's like- let's let's actually role play this out. Okay, so you be <laughs> you be you, <laughs> and know. I'll be. A prospect, go. Oh, I can't do that. I'm a terrible actor. Okay. So, Wait, go, Greg. You said you loved role playing. So I hate role playing. Hate, hate. Oh, you hate it. Oh, okay. Okay, no, then so- let's switch it around. I'll be you and you be the client. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. No. <laughs> no. Back to Michelle. So, so really, um, talking about operations, you know, when if I, if I know that what they need is like to figure out what they really do, but they think they just want a website, but the push comes to shove when I sit there and I go, okay, well, you want a web a website that differentiates you, right? And there, everybody says, what do they say? They go, well, of course. Of course. Okay, well, how are you different? So then they say stuff that is basically the same as every, well, we're different because we have really cool people and we're different because we have knowledge about audits and customer service and great service. Yeah. And, 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 you know, we use technology and, and I, uh, (laughs) um, sorry, private joke in my head. Um, So anyway, (laughs) I'll explain later. Those always trip you up, you know, there's private jokes in your head. Yeah, I have a, a firm that said, you know, we should put on our website that we have a multiple monitors. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, people really don't care. They really yeah, don't. That's awesome. Um, that's- so how we differentiate ourselves really most of the time isn't very different. So what I have to then do is say, you know what, you guys, we probably need, um, a, you know, like a strategic session with your partners where we can you know, figure out and flesh out some ways that you can agree to state publicly that you're different. And 
then that is like a whole day facilitated conversation. That wasn't what they thought they needed in the website. But when right. I help them see how boring, you know, their, the, and I don't mean to be rude, but how boring their differentiators were um, and how not differentiating they were. And the, many times I turn to the Google and I'm like, oh, you think that large firm talent at small firm, you know, prices <laughs> is going to be a differentiator? So we type in large firm plus small firm plus CPA and come up with millions <laughs> of results. Yeah. Then they kind of go, oh, Nice. Okay, so Michelle, here's what I got to do with this because I love what you're saying about that. Where people come to you and they're like, "We want just give us a just give us an idea for for uh, what we say." And you go, "Well, there's some there's some root things underneath that that are a bigger deal that we've got. If 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 we're going to be effective with this website or with whatever, we've got to address these bigger these bigger issues under the surface." And and as CPAs. We kind of have the same thing that happens to us. People come to us and they say, "What you're like? Why are you here at our at our firm?" And they're like, "Well, I need a tax return, or I need reviewed financials, or I need all this stuff." But there's bigger business issues that we see as we're doing that, and we and and, and Jason, I, I mean, I, I, w- I want to hear you guys ta- kind of talk through how that works. With a C- how do you how do you switch people in a CPA firm from here's my felt need to here's your real need? Go. Oh well, Jason. I think Jason does it all the time. Jason, when you sit down and you say, you know, or somebody tells you, I need, you know, I need reports that show me what's going on right now. Like I don't want to wait and get my report six months from now showing me where I am today. What do you What do you tell them that they can do? technologically to reach that? Well, I mean, we we build dashboards and things, you know, that will help them get that real-time data. But, you know, when we're having that value conversation with a a customer, the first thing, I mean, the first thing we do is we we say, dream with us. You know, try to envision a a perfect relationship with a financial firm like ours. What what could you possibly see uh, in the future of our relationship? you know, so that so that we can know what you really want, and I, I see a tax return and <laughs> that, reviewed financial statements. But you know, they don't say that. See, they, that's what they said first. They said, uh-huh. "Hey, Jason, and we were told to call you. We need a review and a tax return." And then well, I what, start asking them to dream with me, and they're like, "Well, that's weird." But what if, do they? What do they say? What do they? What do they really want? They say stuff like Michelle said. They're like, "We we just want to know our data today, not a month from now." And I go. Okay, now that I can do. And do, then, do you ask them why they want to know their data? <laughs> no, I just say, what do you want? All I care about is what they value. And then and that's what we can peg our highest anchor pricing to. Uh, yeah, and, and what you told me, I think, when I first met you, Jason, was that you found out that a lot of stuff that CPAs typically provide to a business owner is really fairly meaningless to it them. Is. It is. Um, like the you know their fine the certain financial reports and whatever it, they're just like well why are we getting this especially like younger um, and I don't mean to make this a general general that generational thing but you know they're like well why do we get this report and it's like well because that's what CPAs do for you right. they give you this report you don't care about that's right um, yeah it's called a compilation and it looks pretty yeah. and a bound thing and lo and behold nobody ever looks at those stupid reports so right. um, you know so when they ask you for that stuff. You got to ask, why do you think you need it? And what do you do with this? Yeah, right. And, and then the, 
the other diagnostic questions you ask, and I know you take people down this road, is you say, wouldn't it be better for you if you didn't have to do this data entry, if your receipt is scanned and then poof, it comes out right. into your reports automatically? Right. And can't we get rid of this level of, of you know, data management? Awesome. And I know you do a lot of that yeah. and take them there. So then they go, are you kidding? I can live my life without having to do all this? Yeah, no problem. And you change lives. Yeah, it's cool. Well, hey, I mean, that's all the time we have for the podcast. Now, we do want to get some good, juicy side stuff, uh, but we'll record that offline. So, um, Michelle, yeah. you're awesome. Thank you for being with to- us on The Thrive. Totally. Yeah. Thanks for having me. And that was uh, that was our podcast a good one, don't you think, Jason? It was, man, <laughs> it's like drinking from, uh, a f- is it a hydrant or a f- water hose or a fire it's, hose? It's a, it's, it's from a fire hydrant. From fire hydrant. Yeah. So too much info uh, that I can't even, even the, the secret stash we had with Michelle was um, a lot of stuff for me personally to think about my own firm. Yeah. So. Yeah, and yeah, it gets it gets deep when we get to that. We're gonna have to do something with our secret stash someday, aren't we, Jason? One one day you guys will get to hear some, but not now. You'll spend you'll spend like a week just listening to your headphones because we have so much stuff for you to look at. That's but right. this was good. Yeah, Jason, so much. I mean, uh, yeah, this was this this month. So much stuff that we could have just kept g- getting deeper and deeper and deeper into. So I, uh, I think uh, our listeners have a lot of stuff to think about. I know I have a lot of processing to do, um, but that was that was big time. Do you got any teasers for upcoming uh, upcoming guests that we got? <laughs> I can't tell you. Herb well, Kelleher? No, no. Actually, we Mr. have. Block? We do have Renee Lassert. <laughs> Mr. Block. Renee Lassert is scheduled to be on our podcast. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's He's big. The- and Tom Hood and Mark Koziel, huge leaders in our world, are going to be on the live podcast you and I are going to do in Las Vegas for Verisage. Right. In June, gonna, which is which is part of the PS Tech conference. Yeah, ASCPA PS Tech, and you and I are going to be doing dodgeball with Jody Paydar Rocket. Yes, we are, and I've got the best dodgeball outfit you do uh, in the whole world too. So you gotta you and gotta it's check that. Scary, out. <laughs> it's scary. But this was good. Uh, we uh, so and Jason, we we love feedback from you. If this may, if the podcast today made you think deep thoughts, we want to hear your deep thoughts. If they're if they're cool enough and deep enough, or if they just make uh, us laugh, we will read them on a podcast. We're still waiting for you, people. Come yeah. on, tax season's over. Uh, Write us a freaking email or something. Losers. But Jason, how can how can people get a hold of you? You can actually uh, follow me on Twitter at Jason M Blummer, or if you want to email us, you can do podcast at thrival.com. Or go to thrival.com. And hello, people. It's spelled the word thrive, T-H-R-I-V-E-A-L. Don't forget the freaking E, people. Thrival.com. Very good. And you can get a hold of me. I'm also on Twitter. You can follow me at at Greg Kite. Uh, I've got my website, gregkite.com, and uh, you know, Greg at gregkite.com. It's all very straightforward. It is. It's, it's all streamlined. It's not hard, people. <laughs> Come on. Write me an email. Talk to me! Please! Talk to me! Please! I mean, we were told not to complain, but really! Please! Come on! 
Uh, okay, so that's so we're done. Did we mention uh, Cloud Solutions Alliance? We did that. We at did the it at the beginning. Let's do it again. A big big shout out to our to hey, our Bob. co-creators, the Cloud Solutions Alliance, which includes XCM, XCM. Solutions, Smart Vault, Smart FreshBooks, FreshBooks, Fujitsu Scan Snap Community, uh, Shoebox, Shoebox, Avalara. I'm the H and R Block. H and R Block. See, I'm the. I was the Echo. You were. That was good. That's you were good. like the, you're like the hype man. That's the, but guys, uh, that's it. That's it for the April uh, Thrivecast. Congratulations for making it through tax season. Yeah. Uh, uh, we hope you enjoy it, and we will talk to you in about a month. You rock. Later. Bye, peoples.